And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined us all as well my guys, Chris McCormick, Ryan Barath, Gene Perenni. Boys, we're getting closer to the holidays. Do we have any holiday traditions? Wall's curious. Disney World. Every Disney. year for Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> Always. Why am I not surprised? Where else would you go? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, Gene's over here. Uncle Gene's trying to talk on mute. Yeah, here we go. Wow, come on, Pop-Pop. great job, great job, Uncle Gene. Oh, we're not even a minute my in. We're already having my issues. My tradition is to figure out this newfangled technology and see what I can do with it. God, you kids in your damn video games. Oh my god, Zoom's gonna be the death of me yet. Right when I think I have it, bam, and then you don't. Uh, Arby, what about was, you? Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. It's the greatest. It's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. I will not debate on that topic. It has Michael Caine acting with a bunch of Muppets. He's playing it straight. The whole thing is fantastic, and I will. I will not be. Uh, I will not be defeated straight. in that in that debate. He plays it completely straight, and it's Michael Caine. Come on, how can you not love it? I, I absolutely. I don't disagree with you. Oh, wait, I, I I do have to ask a question for for the the crew here. Die Hard Christmas movie or not? It's fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, really a Christmas movie. Christmas it's a movie. twisted Christmas movie, but it's a, sure. it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, no doubt. Bruce Willis came out and said, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, which I strongly disagree with. Huh. I mean, what, what? I don't really care what he has to think. I mean, is he a big part of that movie or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh, Right? I mean, his opinion doesn't matter to me. It's a not Christmas movie. We watch it every year. We go to Disney, we hang out with the mouse, and we watch Die Hard. That's what we do. Nice. Yeah, we we watch uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with our with our younger kids. We got to fast forward through some of the parts, but you know, at this point, I'm like, whatever. They're going to hear the language anyway. That and uh, and a Christmas and a Christmas Story. Those are the two. Oh, I don't like there that movie. I don't like that movie. That's fine. Every, I know everyone's got their thing, so I'm not going to argue. Whoa, whoa! I just what, accept what's, everyone's. What's your thing. beef? What's your beef with the, with the Christmas Story? I don't. I just. I don't know. I just don't like it. I tried watching it a couple times and I just don't, I mean, there's one, the funny line when he like says that he pulls out the lamp or, or like he puts, gets the box. He's like, it's Italian for, for Gile. Like yeah. that's funny. Like that's really <laughs> Electric funny. Electric sex in the window. Like that's, a, that's a funny yes. line regardless of the movie, but like the whole, like the premise bit of it, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know. I just, I don't, eh. I never connected with it, but I understand why people like it. So I, I like I said, I'm not going to argue. That's a good one. Um, did any of you boys watch the match? I what is this? What is, we, what, what is this thing? What was the match? Did, did we talk what, about it at all? Were, were, it? were we <laughs> it shows how relevant to? it is if, <laughs> if, uh, if a bunch of golf guys... Well, I guess one of us watched the match. I did get a chance to check out JT and Spieth versus Tiger and Rory under the lights. It was kind of cool, but you know, one of the things that I don't like about when they play under the lights, and they haven't done this a whole bunch, I go back to the Battle of Bighorn. When it was what Tiger and Sergio was Annika in that one? There was one that had like Hank and, and Tiger and Duval and somebody once as well. But I don't know if that was the yeah. big one or the Bridges or something. Yeah, but it just it's oh, not it could have been Bridges. Well, they did I like the one now. hole. They did the one hole challenge where you know you got to use one club for the entire hole, which was pretty hilarious because. 
Rory hits this absolute laser off the tee with a three iron that ends up in a divot. And then he's got to get it out of the divot and try and get it on the green. And he did not do that. And then he's punching out, trying to get it over the lip of the cart path with a three iron to get it on the green. And as you know, kind of a comedy of errors when you're just allowed to use one club. But Tiger hit five iron. And he and he starts out like way right of target and just hits this. I mean, it, it it was like an absolute bender, just really hard off to the right and just screaming back to the left. Cool shot, but you can't see it in the dark. Which you know you, you're not going to get any sh- sort of shot tracer to pick that up. I, and so somebody I guess was on the grounds and posted a video of Tiger hitting that shot is. He, I, we've always said he's an artist. He's kind of cut from the same cloth of like a Seve in that he can see shots and, and like think them up in his head and then just absolutely execute them with perfection. But to just see him stand up there and, and just hit this slinger was really <clears throat> cool. But again, being in the dark, it's tough to be able to see a lot of that stuff because you're not able to track the ball. Um, but it was cool. The, the banter was was okay. It felt like at times they were sort of forcing it. Like when Rory was trying to hit out of the junk with the three iron, they were like, you know, walk us through the shot. What do you think? And there's a lot of dead air at times. Charles Barkley was pretty good. But I don't know. None of these matches really have a whole lot of juice. Even the even like the original, like Phil, Phil Tiger. I say the original, like when they started this whole the match. And I'm using, you know, quotations yeah. here. <laughs> the match. But it's just, I don't know. They just don't really do anything for me. But I feel like some sort of an obligation to watch them just because I'm like, yeah, maybe something interesting will happen. Nothing ever does. I, I, my, my question is, do they make money? They must, right? Oh, yeah. Because they keep From putting them on. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure they do. You well, they're making money for, for Hurricane <clears throat> Ian. Was, yeah, this one was all charity, wasn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, it was all it was all for charity. All the money that they were making was was going for for the hurricane relief efforts, which is great. I mean, but I, I'm sure it makes I'm sure it makes a lot of money. And you know, those guys are getting some sort of an appearance fee for for showing up and playing. I think I think like the one thing that was interesting, like first of all, the Tigers because there's I don't know if it was because I didn't see it live. Unfortunately, like in Canada here, it was it was on a different network that I didn't subscribe to. It was on like a weird sports channel. Um, but the slinger was actually really cool. Like seeing that and seeing like the shot tracer when it was posted on social, mm-hmm. um, like you see how much he can sling it. And that's, this is where like, you know, the, the old versus new debate and like talking old gear and all that stuff. Like that's where the modern golf ball that's not designed to spin as much, which I know you wrote about Jonathan, like he tiger went to a different ball for like a little more distance, but to be able to like wing the spin axis like that much and like get that kind of trajectory out of something is pretty insane. And to like, you know, to get extra distance out of it and get that run and everything. And then, you know, later on in the match, and it was, I know there was a shot. Um, so Spieth hit the shot off like the pine straw and then JT had this like little hook wedge, which is like one of my favorite shots to like hit myself. I don't hit it as well as JT, but like being able to control trajectory and have that little like sucky spin on it. But they were talking about how like the moisture, I know Gene, we've talked about this as well, right? We like the Bryson Spritzer guy and you've mm-hmm. done with the yep. robot is like, they were talking moisture on the golf ball. And I think being in Florida, dew starts settling down. You didn't get as much spin. The greens start getting a little softer and a little longer. Like that is like kind of a, a detriment of having it in the evening, right? Is like you don't get that same kind of reaction. And they were talking their way through that shot. Like JT and 
uh, Spieth. I thought that was actually probably one of the most fascinating little conversations of the evening when he's like, I don't know if it's going to spin because if it doesn't spin and it just climbs up the face a little bit, like it's going to go straight and long versus like hitting and checking. So, I mean, this is where there's a reason and they didn't have their caddies, right? Like they, they had to talk themselves into their own shot. So I think that that to me was probably the most interesting part of the whole bit other than, you know, getting to see Tiger play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, getting to see Tiger play, we were talking about this before we started the pod, but I feel like every time that we get a chance to see Tiger on a golf course right now is like we we have to just enjoy it. I mean, I was watching him hobble around. I mean, they're driving in carts. They're, they each have their own cart as they're as they're wheeling around the the Pelican Golf Club. But I mean, Tiger does not look like he's feeling great, <laughs> even with a golf cart. And so then it makes me wonder as we look ahead towards 2023, how much are we going to see Tiger? And I don't even know if that's even like a discussion that we need to have today, but. It, it does make you appreciate those opportunities. I mean, dude's still getting 178 ball speed. At one point, they were they that were was measuring. Nuts. That was nuts. That a guy who, I mean, how long ago did Tiger have his accident? The car crash. <clears throat> almost, almost two years ago. Almost two years. Yeah. And, you know, they were talking about whether he was even going to walk again. And now he's right. out there hitting driver one, with 178 ball speed. I mean, was, I think JT was at 178. So I've never sniffed 178 on my best day. I need to work on my upper body. I need to look more like Tiger. I look, I look more like he does look like a linebacker from like the waist up. He still looks just absolutely jacked. But I, I mean, that was really surprising because, yeah, sure you can have a big upper body, but you still got to be able to to get the lower body engaged and and to get it all synced up. And for him, even though he's hobbling around, to still be able to push 178. That's impressive. Yeah. <clears throat> so and, again, and I, I think what, you just got to enjoy it. That's all I got. Yeah, and, I mean, I think I think his biggest issue that you know I've heard is it's not so much hitting the ball; it's walking, just simply walking yeah. for four days plus a couple days of practice um, is is just it's a little too much on you know that surgically repaired leg, and that's that's what I've heard is, and he's kind of talked about that as well or alluded to it that it's just simply a fatigue factor and unfortunately probably a pain factor as well. I think that yeah. was one didn't was it was it Barkley or someone made the joke to JT about his calves because I think he was in shorts and then they said to Tiger and Tiger was like, <laughs> Yeah, I got one good calf or something. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he takes it in stride, I guess, but like, you know, it is it is one of those things where I I I try and appreciate I like I I'm I'm not quite old enough to like remember like Gretzky in his prime, but I can remember him like playing for the Rangers and, and playing for all the like um especially the way obviously his like last year's were with the Rangers. But to like know that I got got to see like Tiger like really prime Tiger is like really cool. And you don't really think about it. Of course, you don't appreciate it until after the fact. And you're like, man, that was freaking sweet. <laughs> like like yeah. the like the DeMarco Tiger when like uh he chipped in and all that stuff. Like I was, I remember watching that live. I remember seeing all that stuff. And like, you know, you don't, you don't think about it until after the fact and you're like, man, that's pretty, pretty sick. Even like for the F1 fans, you know, Roman Grosjean crashed his car and it blew up into flames and everyone thought he, everyone on the track thought he was dead. He was in a flaming car for 90 seconds. <laughs> like it's nuts. And now he's back driving Indy car. So like, I'm pretty, like it's pretty like, just to appreciate him being able to drive again and being okay is pretty like fascinating to know, like the stuff that Tiger went through to even just like get out there and walk and make the cut at Augusta. 
like yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is truly well, ridiculous. Well, I mean, I mean, the guy, the guy won a U.S. Open at Tory on a broken leg. <laughs> you know? Oh, that that last round with Rocco was amazing to watch. Yeah, and it, it, it just it, the grit, and you could see it. I mean, it was just so, a, an awesome experience. It's kind so of one of those things because he, like he said, right, like he could make a swing, but it was like the follow through that hurt. So we just had to yeah. basically get to impact and like hope for like the best, essentially. So here's here's an interesting story about about that. Uh, on Sunday, he had to make. It was roughly, I don't know, 15, 20 footer uphill on 18 to force the playoff on Monday against Rocco. And uh, I was talking to one of the, uh, uh, his head ball designer at Nike a couple years later. And we were talking about, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that the last group in a major has the most challenges because the greens are just ripped to hell and they've got to try to read greens that are in their worst shape after four days. And so, and he brought up the tiger told him on that putt, he looked at the green and he looked at all of the marks in the green and he changed his putting style to swing up on the putt to get the ball bouncing over some of the marks to roll it in. And, and this guy was like, as he was telling me the story, he goes, I had to go back and look at the video because I couldn't believe what he was telling me. And sure enough, if you watched his putting stroke, he hit up on the ball and bounced it. Imagine having the stones on 18 on a, on a, on a putt that's probably, you know, in the 15, 20% range at best, but you yeah. combine those greens and then you change your putting stroke in order to make that shot. I mean, that when I hear stories like that, I go, that's why the guy's the GOAT. And it goes back to what you were talking about, shot shape. Like, he he was fearless in moments when most of us would just completely cower and went and did things and, you know, was absolutely amazing because of it. Yeah. I mean, he, that he is, is he's something special. And, again, as you guys already said, you don't really know what you have or what you were witnessing until it's gone. But, yeah, you know. I think anytime Tiger's out there, even even this week for PNC with Charlie, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to see the two of them together. But again, it's just another opportunity to see Tiger swing a golf club. I'm not saying that he's going to retire next year. I mean, maybe. Uh, you never know. But just the way that he's looking when he's walking out there and hobbling, I just can't imagine that we're going to see too much of Tiger playing competitively. Um, speaking of Tiger and the putter, that was one piece of gear that he did change last week was the putter. He changed out his putter grip, which I always find fascinating because if you look at Tiger's putter, he really hasn't changed a whole lot. Here's something interesting for you that I found out recently. The putter shaft that he has in his Newport 2 GSS, same putter shaft that he's had in since 1999. Wow, really? Really. 1999, wow. same shaft. Same putter, same putter shaft, yep. So wow. he he is not he's one guy who does not like to change a lot of the variables and you know he's not changing the putter head on that clearly but he has changed grips uh, a couple of years ago he went to the Lampkin with the uh, the deep etch with the cord and I still contend yeah like that, that was you know he and he and Steve Stricker are, are good pals at least out on the golf course and you know I think Steve was using that grip I'm pretty sure that Tiger got some from Steve's stash because it had the old Lampkin logo on it. And only Stricker, I think, still had those. But 
Um, one thing that Tiger did change at, during the match was he went to a Scotty Cameron rubber grip. Looked very similar to the Ping PP58, which is the grip that he's used on that putter for, for ages. It's a very, very traditional pistol style grip. A lot, much, I mean, compared to a lot of the, stu- the super strokes and things like that, it's it's very small. And, you know, Tiger's a guy who's always believed in the importance of being able to feel things in his hands. And if he can feel it, that's, you know, that's where he makes his money is he's got that otherworldly feel. But I will tell you, because people saw it and they're like, what's the difference? Don't, isn't that, it's like, looks like the same grip. That grip is a little bit larger than the PP58. And the okay. Lampkin deep etch cord was a little, when Tiger used that, was a little bit larger than the PP58. So I think Tiger's just looking for a different feel. I, 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 I know Tiger gets different grips and he tests them on backup putters, but very, very rarely does he ever put something new on the gamer. And so maybe just a little bit larger grip. I don't know. I mean, he's still probably trying to feel it in his hands, but, but you know, larger sometimes means that you don't have to get your hands so involved in, in the putting stroke. I know it was wet. I think I saw also that he had lead tape in the back cavity. So maybe he was fooling around with, with a little bit of a combination of the lead tape and a, a slightly larger grip, but that would make sense to keep yeah. the swing weight the same and keep swing the feel the same. the same. Yep. Yep. So maybe there's, maybe there's something there. Well, the, the interesting thing about that from a physics standpoint is, and I, I think most golfers don't realize this, but almost every golfer, even, you know, tour players have what's defined as closure. The face goes from open to closed during the swing. It's on an arc. And you think when you pull the head back that you're on a pendulum, but you're actually not. And Tiger has talked about that in the past, that he has more closure than most tour players. And he likes that closure and likes the timing and that feel in order to control it. Uh, The larger the grip, the less the closure. Your your hands, to your point, now... um, do not uh, rotate as much. And so you're going to minimize closure. And as you minimize closure, you're going to be more pendulum-like. So it's kind of interesting because what that says to me is for whatever reason, and maybe it was just this match or he's looking for it, is he's looking for less closure and more of a pendulum-like swing as he ages. Now, you know, as a 56-year-old man, I can tell you, Hands start getting a little shaky as you get older. You're not quite as solid as you were when you were younger. So it might just be a stability thing that he feels like that creates more stability coming through the uh, coming through the ball. Yeah, it was an interesting change for Tiger. It's the only one that I really noticed. People were mentioning the shoes looked still look like a FootJoy shoe to me. Maybe not the same exact model. The photos that I saw. We're, we're not great again because of the mattress played in the dark. So it's tough to see a black shoe <laughs> in the dark, even with photos. But yeah, Tiger's grip, probably the only real gear change from the match. And now we go into at least like a, I guess about a month, maybe a little less than a month of, of no real noticeable golf with the exception of the PNC this week. So um, I guess it's going to be interesting to see what we can talk about <laughs> over the next over the next three weeks. That's why we get paid the big bucks. I don't think there'll be any shortage. That's for sure. I mean, there's, there's. I'm, I think, especially with the the mix of players we're going to see at the at the PNC, I think it's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting. 
Um, so especially too, when we, we think about like the club at speeds that are involved, you have like some older players, you have some younger players, you got players like Charlie who are junior players, all that stuff. I think it's, it's pretty fascinating to, to see, especially this time of year, because, you know, you know, we can hope we can keep our fingers crossed and hopefully something sneaks in there pretty soon. Um, but you know, speaking of, uh, of new gear, <laughs> here it comes. There's the transition. That one, that one was a little, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you like a B minus on that one. It, 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 it wasn't, it, it wasn't one of your top five. Let's just put it No, it way. certainly wasn't. But for those who are looking to, uh, looking to uh, testing some gear, I, I wouldn't say necessarily a putter grip, but if you're looking at testing other stuff or testing other parts of your game, I got to let you know that fully equipped is brought to you by rap Soto and their MLM, which is the number one rated personal launch monitor on the market. It features precise measurements, remarkable accuracy, data-rich visuals, and a new performance combine. The MLM is the mobile launch monitor to help the grinders, the range rats, and anyone who is looking to improve their golf game during practice. And, you know, you could, if you really want to, you can take it on the golf course as well. How it works is you pair your iPhone with the Rapsodo unit iPhone or your iPad. And what it does, is it allows you to track every single golf swing. And not only that, you get a video of your golf swing to go along with every shot that you take. So it uses pro-level metrics to create consistency from shot to shot and show you your accuracy as you are going through your practice session. The other part of this as well is the Performance Combine tool, which is now available for MLM Premium subscribers. And we've got a little deal on that in just a second. Uh, but what it does, it's a 24-shot test to, uh, to two different targets and including the driver to identify your biggest strengths and weaknesses. So you know which part of your game to work on. This was helped and partially designed with, uh, in combination with Dr. Sasha McKenzie uh, using and analyzing over 100,000 shots of PGA Tour-level data and 20 years of work with Dr. Sasha himself. Now, if you are looking to pick up one of these things, right now you can get $150 off the MLM or... If you combined the the premium package, which allows you to do the combine and a bunch of other little features that are built into the unit, you can save a total of $180 when you package those two at rapsodo.com. That is R-A-P-S, uh, <clears throat> sorry, R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. So and if you're looking to save some money and work on your practice, you can head over there and uh, stop wasting time on the range and improve to play with a plan to lower your scores. There we go. All right. Speaking of gear new gear I, I we've been talking about this giveaway last week i completely spaced on it until the very end and i was like ah oh, crap i forgot to mention it but as you know on fully equipped on our social handles we've even given away gear on the podcast my dog in the background is super excited or maybe he just, just wants me to throw his ball for him um but we've given away a lot of gear this year and we are going to blow out the end of 2022 by being your gear Santa. So check out the, hopefully we'll have all the photos up, but check out the fully equipped Instagram and Twitter. Instagram will be a little bit easier because there's, there's more space for photos, but RB, how many clubs did we, did we pull out of the, out of the closet for this giveaway? There's gotta be like oh, 10 to 15 close to a dozen, yeah, probably close 10, to a dozen 10 clubs to in there, clubs. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. There was, um, Odyssey, 5K, Putters. Uh, what else was in there that, that we pulled out that was cool? Some Fairway Woods. I think a couple of drivers. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff. Co See, the thing is, is Coach was supposed to send me photos of all the stuff that we pulled out because I didn't snap any when, when we were at HQ pulling out the gear. So it's one of those things where I'm just sort of guessing or trying to remember. 
off the top of my head, but there is a lot of cool stuff that we have. Everything, putters, wedges, drivers, fairways. And we're just going to do it as simple as tell us what one piece of gear you need. Mention it in the comments and we're going to randomly select a winner for each one of those pieces of gear and we will send it to you. It's all brand new stuff from the, from the gear closet. And uh, it's our way of saying thank you for listening to Fully Equipped, listening to us ramble each and every week. And we'll, again, as I ever tell everybody, even if they don't win, they're like, oh man, I missed out on the, you know, fill in the blank, driver wedge, whatever you guys are giving away. We'll keep doing more giveaways going into 2023. That's something that I think is fun. We get a ton of gear and it's a great way to, to give back to everybody who listens to the pod. So be on the lookout for that on the Instagram account. It is at Golf. And the Twitter account will also post a link to the IG and uh, and try and give a little bit of an idea of, of what else is there because I think you can only put in four photos into Twitter. But maybe I'll just add it as additional replies so everybody can see the clubs and then you can select there. And we're at fully underscore equipped on Twitter. So again, we'll make that live tomorrow, December 15th, when this pod drops. And then I'll close it out. Maybe we'll close it out on like Christmas Eve. Let's do that Christmas Eve. And then I'll, I'll reach Eve's out. Good. Yeah. I'll reach out to all, all the winners and let you know, you just shoot me your address and we will send you the club. I'll even send, you know what? We had a winner here recently for, uh, for a piece of gear that I was giving away at a couple of, uh, Mitsubishi Kylie white shafts hanging around. And I sent one nice. to Canada. See, I'm not, I'm not just biased oh, to those in the go. States. I said, you know what? If I can send gear to RB, I can send, I can send a shaft to you. So yeah, we got, we got those out and, and off and on to somebody up in Canada. Anyway, so be on the lookout for that on our social handles. All right. Did you guys get a chance to see the latest, or I guess it would be the latest and last ping patent, uh, the answer patent 55 putter releases. I like yeah. gold. Is that a bad yeah. like Mike Myers <laughs> reference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost I almost wrote that in my story, but I was like, I don't I don't want people to groan when they're when they're reading my content on the website. But yeah, a gold plated answer patent fifty five. It's really looked really cool. It's they've they've done four different head materials this year in the in the same head shape. It was their you know fifty five year anniversary of the of the release of the answer putter. And the last one that they did, they only, they only released rightfully. So 55 of each putter. And as Chris can attest as somebody who chases a lot of limited release gear, I do. Uh, those, I do indeed. those things did not last very long <laughs> and they were gone. I did not get one. Did yeah. not get one. I got a lot of, a lot of DMS from people with either sad faces or screenshots of the, the, the club you're trying to purchase is no longer available. So I think they yeah. probably lasted a couple of minutes and then they were gone. Limited release stuff. I will say is, is the best idea in golf. Just oh, give, absolutely. give something, give something a little yeah. bit of a, of a fresh spin or make it, make it a little bit different from everything else that's out there. Call it a limited release and, and just hit, live and it all sells out my dog in the it, background holy it is, smokes it is the trick though like do y'all hear this i we can't really i don't know i can't really hear it that much maybe oh my, my maybe my phones are silent my headphones are ballistic for his ball <laughs> but yeah like if you the thing is if you look at the history of like limited gear um in some cases the the stuff that gets to 
like retail, I find is not the place where it needs to exist. I think it needs to exist online. It needs to exist direct to consumer. Because if you think of how people want to consume the gear, how people want to attempt to buy something, right? If you queue up online, kind of like tickets or something, right? The, the biggest issue is when people, like I've seen stuff that was like limited edition end up in retail stores and it just sits there. Because the, the people who are walking in don't really know what it is. They're gen- they're like, let's say the general golf consumer. Like if my dad walked into a store and he saw, you know, to your point, Chris, like, I don't, I don't know what even price point, but it's like a $500 swag head cover. You go, what the hell is this? I don't care what the yeah. hell this why, thing is. Why right? would anybody pay $500 would anybody for a head pay cover? For this thing, Walk right? right by it. So it's, I mean, it's who's, kinda, who's a lunatic that would pay that much? Exactly. What kind I don't of, know any lunatics who would pay $500 for a head cover. But you have, you have, you have that. And then like, um, what's another one? Like you, you do, the people do it with like, they do it with sneakers and do all these different things. Right. So I think the way ping has done it with their, with their putters, especially to doing it in a pretty limited variety is, is a much better way of, of having that go out to the, the consumer because yes, you're going to get flippers attempt to line up for like that kind of thing. But I think it, what it really does is it, it puts a focus on the product versus just having something go out to a retail store and, you know, there's an allotment and then sits on a wall and then a bunch of people walk by and then, you know, it gets transferred to another store and it gets dinged up or something. All these different things go, go into the, the whole problem of doing it. I've seen it, you know, in the, you know, back in my retail days, you'd, I'd see iron, like there were limited edition iron sets that would go up and like, they'd just sit there. And people would walk yeah. by and they go, what is this? And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's an anniversary of something. And, you know, Nicholas did them with the irons, which I thought was really cool with Mira. And those did really well. I mean, God forbid, I did see a couple of those sets like being used. And I probably, I'm going to be honest, I'd probably use them too. But, uh, you know, some people want them as wall hangers. <laughs> I I was that I was the care. impetus behind getting Adam Scott to reach out those irons. So yeah. they, they served a purpose. Very valuable. Got the rosy protos in there too. That's true. I know. Yeah, they've got some pretty cool protos in there. But yeah, the the answer patent fifty five gold plated putter is a great way to end out the year. I wonder if we'll see any more. I mean, Pink's Pink's not done limited releases in the past. This was sort of a new thing for them, and I, I've heard it's been wildly successful. I remember going back to when Nike was still in business, and they did the the limited Rory putters, and they did the yeah. same thing for the Tiger Driver. And I think they said those things sold out in like 30 seconds, 30 seconds to a minute. I mean, within a minute, they were all gone. And I kept telling Nike, I'm like, y'all should just do more of these. I mean, you already have a crazy rabid following. Just do more limited releases based off the Rory's and the Tigers. I mean, they should have done like, you know, sets of the MM Protos, the original, uh, the original Vapor Pros. I mean, those those MM Protos looked awesome. Wasn't that something where like it was actually brought on because the guy or the, I believe it was a guy, the person behind the Jordan brand was at one point put in, in charge of Nike golf yep. for yep. like a period of time towards the end. So that that's how like the, 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 cause you know, Jordan does all kinds of drops. I'm not again, I follow some sneaker people on like Instagram and I just kind of find it interesting, but I'm like, why, why are these excellent? I'm just going to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wear them. I don't want to, I mean, I understand like a game worn collectible thing or something like that or, but you know, all these, like, to me, it's just like a functional item. That's why, I, I mean, I don't really collect a lot of stuff. I just, I just don't like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, ha- I physically hold on to, and I guess you could call it a collection of a bunch of crappy junky golf clubs. And you know, to, to speak to like the craziness, Jonathan, you have a wedge that I ordered online that is coming to your house before you can ship it to me. So if, if we're trying to reference any type of craziness here, like, you know, I, it exists in me as well. 
Yeah, I got a notification from FedEx that it would be arriving, and I'm like, "What? What the hell did I order?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's not. It's RBs." So, yeah, it's. Uh, anyway, the limited releases, I, I will continue to say, such a great way for for the OEMs to make some extra cash, and they can usually just jack up the price and and release them. It's 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 brilliant, and I think they should keep doing mm-hmm. it. You see more and more companies doing it, especially with the the accessory side of it, not necessarily hard goods even, but like TaylorMade started doing it with their their majors collection on the staff bags and they had the G four shoes, which looked really cool with the old the old <coughs> TaylorMade logo. Their the, staff bags are so yeah. soles. Yeah, their 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 staff bags are really incredible. The one that they had this year for the US Open at the country club, where you know, it's like the bag looked like it was tea stained like yeah um, i mean that was a cool bag they've done some really they've done some really inventive designs over the years but that one to me when i saw in person i thought i was like holy shit did they really like how do you do that how do you get get the bag to look like or a majority of the bag to look like it's tea stained it just again just cool stuff i know they always appreciate when we when we rave about any sort of bag designs, tailor-made Callaway, you know, whoever we're talking about they, I know a lot of work goes into designing those staff bags, but yeah, they, they are a lot of fun to look at. And I always get excited whenever the majors roll around because you get a chance to see what kind of creativity they've been cooking up for the last, you know, six months or so. I've got a Pebble Beach US oh. Open one from TaylorMade and on the inside of the pocket is like the, the clam chowder recipe from the restaurant or something, something in the lining. And I was like, what the hell is this? Cause I got it like a couple of years after the U S open and I opened it up and I was like, first of all, I'm never going to make clam chowder, which is fine. <laughs> but like, I was, I like, couldn't realize what it was. I had to go, I had to Google what it was like, what, what's inside. Cause they, you know, they post all the details online. And I was like, Oh, yeah. well, that's, that's kind of pretty sweet. <laughs> like, again, I'm not going to make it, but you know, like they don't miss on any of these things. Right. That's always the kind of fascinating thing. So little, little shout out to the crafty creator, which is his Instagram handle. Uh, he is, there's, there's one guy that is responsible for the unique designs on the bags, the head covers and the, uh, the pix balls. So he does all of the, the cool little one-off, uh, pix designs too, which is, is really cool. But interesting, interesting guy. He's got a, uh, he's got a good little, little stable of, of cool things that he has helped design with TaylorMade. In in honor of Gene's hometown, are you, wait, are you always from San Diego, Gene? You should probably ask that. No, no, I uh, I grew up in Palm Springs. Oh, okay. But and the, I was born the, uh, I was born spring- in the Redwood Forest in Northern California. Thank you very much. <laughs> that makes so much so. more sense. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Strixon the Strixon sunset bag that had like the progressive colors on the side. I really like that one too. I thought that was actually probably really sharp one from the the I guess the U.S. Open and at Torrey Pines. Yeah. That was an awesome one. All right. So there is a topic that RB and I field on a regular basis when it comes to, to the latest gear out there. People will always want to know I'm playing, you know, fill in the blank golf club. It's five or six years old. I hit it really well. It's a great club. You know, everybody's touting this new, this new product. The new gear is supposed to be so great. But I just don't really know if it's worth the money. And RB, you wrote a great piece for golf.com this week on what makes new golf clubs better than older ones. And I feel I feel like, you know, the impetus for this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is 
as we talked about on last week's pod, you're building this high school golf bag. You're, you're bringing back a lot of the classic clubs that you either played or that you wanted to buy, but you didn't have the scratch to get when you were growing up. And so you're, you're creating this bag all the way, including the golf bag, which I think is awesome. And you've done some testing here recently. I know you post some uh, Foresight GC quad numbers doing some testing with some of the, the old fairways versus the current stuff. And that sort of was the impetus behind this post. But like, what are your thoughts after doing some testing with the old gear versus the new? Like, where did you see the biggest jumps? You know, we see, we hear it all the time from OEMs. And, you know, I, I kind of said in the piece that, you know, they don't pull magic fairy dust out of their butts. Like, I didn't say butts in the piece, but I could say here. Um, you know, try and keep it very, very friendly over there on the, on the website. But the idea is that they, it's all about keeping consistent spin, like windows. You're all about windows, tightening windows, tightening, like all of this, like variance, right? And, um, so what I did was I, I hit one of my favorite fairways of all time, the 906 F2. There's an F4 as well, which is like a shallower version. They come in like slightly half lofts. So they're a little half, they're like a half loft higher than the standard one. And I was hitting that compared to my brand new TSR2 Plus. And God, that plus is so good. <laughs> um, because like, again, if I used variants in the test, I, you would have seen like much, even like better results with the Titleist. But instead what I did was I did like best shot, best case scenario with a Sonartec SSO2, uh, 906 F2, and then a TSR2 Plus, which is, I guess, almost 10 years old, ten years newer than the other two clubs. And ball speed was way better. But what <clears throat> ball speed wasn't like crazy, crazy, because we're talking like in, uh, in theory off the middle. But off the middle, the, the newer club was was faster. But what we see is, and this is something I think, you know, Gene and Chris can like speak to is, the separation of launch and spin because of center of gravity is something that we don't you before you didn't see that separation. And when you miss hit it, you'd see these massive jumps in spin. I know I play with old persimmon clubs and you miss hit one of those things and it just, it goes like all over the place. It's insane. Uh, and sound effects included. So when you I was going to say, I hit, like the sound effects when you hit that, yeah, it's shot, accurate. Yeah. It's, it's what happens. Um, so when you hit one of those like low shots on, and the, and the other thing was too, I I kind of joked because I posted a picture of from when Roy won the U.S. Open when he like just ripping one of these titles very in the in the video from the USGA on YouTube. I was like, sick, but like I don't hit it like that. <clears throat> and when you hit it low or you hit it off the heel or you hit it off the toe, you get higher launch and higher spin. With and even when you hit it higher on the face, you still don't get the spin drop like you do with newer clubs because of the center of gravity because of the mass properties, and so all of that adds up to less distance less often with older golf clubs. It's just plain and simple, right? But with the new stuff, you get this, this jump of forgiveness, dispersion, as well as consistency shot to shot around the face, which you just don't get with the older stuff. And <clears throat> I think if you go back, like again, five, 10 years, if you're hitting a driver, I, I, I'm going to be testing. I got to put a grip on it, a 983E. And I was hitting another one with a different loft on it. And I was getting like 152, 153 ball speed, which is pretty good. But like if I miss hit one, it just like, again, the spin stunk and or jumped really, really high. And I was not getting great results from it. And I think, yeah, I, I, of course I hit it. You, you always think about the great shots you get with old golf clubs. And I think that's where the nostalgia comes from when people ask about that kind of stuff. But they're not better. They're like, it's simple. Like they're not better. Yes. They're really good. Yes. They're fun to hit. Yes. They look good. Yes. They feel good, but they're not better. It's, it's just better materials, 
like better weight distribution, all of these things that they're allowed to do that they can do with newer golf clubs that you can't do with older stuff. They just couldn't do it. They just didn't have the capabilities to do it. And that to me is where there's this flood of, which I said in the piece, like <clears throat> Titleist ATI. ATI was originally introduced in the C16 driver, which was the concept driver. That driver was a thousand bucks and they only used it in the crown. And then they put it in the face and then they understood how it would react to impact, to like impact. And I'm sure when they were testing on the crown, they tested in all kinds of prototypes, figured out how to use it and ended up in the TSI. And you've got faster balls, but you got thinner club faces, you got all this stuff. But that material itself was like, you know, 15 years old, but they had, first of all, it was extremely expensive. And then they had to apply it to golf club technology and all of these things worked their way down. And that's why clubs are better now because they're looking at these guys are rocket scientists. They're literally, they're rocket scientists. They're looking at all these different things and pulling it together. And, you know, that's why they're better than they used to be is because mass, mass properties and the materials being used and, you know, you are selling a consumer product. So you can't just sell thousand dollar fairy woods unless you want to plate them with gold, like some companies do. So to get all of those things, there is a point in time where that those technology become easily available. And then when you add in better fitting, you add in launch monitors, you've got a much better golf club. And that's where people see the, see the difference and see the, and I'm sure Chris, you see it all the time. And Gene, I'm sure you see it. If you go put one of these, if you put, if I sent these to you and put them on a robot, you get the exact same results. I'm not a robot. I don't claim to be, but that is that separation. It's like this constant, constant improvement that golfers are going to see when they're on the golf course, especially when they miss it. Yeah. Oh, Gene's that. on mute again. He's got the, he's got a oh, look at them. Gino. Oh man. He was ready to, he was <laughs> ready to rock too. There's a button here you can ask to unmute. I should probably just keep repeatedly <laughs> pressing this button to just remind Uncle Gene <laughs> just, just to unmute. Come on, Gene. This this has not been a good day. <laughs> this has not been a good pod. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you on that. The holidays one. are just I, around the, the corner, Gene. Don't worry. You're gonna I get know, a little bit of a break. Come back stronger I'm, in the I'm, new year. I'm, I'm going down to Palm Springs and gonna sit by a pool with a drink for four days and soak up some sun and hopefully take this ossified brain of mine and give it a little bit of a refresh um yes to your point rb 100 two main things i'm on it now uh spin 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 driver spin has dramatically reduced old gear versus new gear and that has resulted in uh very large distance increases for those who've been in need of that but more importantly new materials equal being able to play more with CG and play more with perimeter weighting so that these clubs are simply more forgiving and they're, and, and they have a lot. And then the other thing that's really interesting is clubs were, you know, back in the day, anything over seven or eight years and, and, but even to five years um, clubs were in a line were fairly similar. Now, as we've talked about before with, you know, Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, Man, they they've got a uh, a wide array of products for a wide array of swings, and that's what's most impressive to me. Is simply if you want to shape the ball, there's a driver for you. If you want to hit the ball dead straight, there's a driver for you. If you you know if you slice the ball, there's a driver for you. And they've really done a good job of um, kind of addressing not only you know the elite player or kind of the average player but different types of players within those categories so you really can now 
and I'm going to hand this over to Chris because, you know, that's his forte is you go to an expert and they really can dial you in, in ways that just simply weren't available, you know, with older products. I mean, that's a hundred percent right, Gene. And we see it every day in the, in the fitting environment to where we can really kind of dial in on specific metrics, depending upon what the player objective is. So, I mean, to your point, if there's somebody that wants something that is fade bias versus draw bias, that will consistently hit it higher or lower cut spin, ad spin, and with the, the modern manufacturing availabilities and multi-material and repositioning with weight and I mean, face design, you can really dial in a product on you know, basically the profile of the player. So their strike location, angle that they create, you know, the miss, the desired shot shape. And that's just something that we didn't have access to 10 years ago. And you could get close, but I mean, with everything that's available now, you can really, really dial it in, which I mean, just makes us look like superheroes in a fitting environment. And even, even like we talk about spin reduction so much, but I, I know I just, I just did ran a test with like the, the hot metal pro and then the hot metal high launch. And I did my best to slow my swing speed down to like 72 miles an hour with a seven iron. And some people were commenting like, oh, you hit the pro further. Why is that? Why is the other club better? And, you know, I only posted some of the metrics, but the other, the, the high launch spun like 12 or 1300 RPMs more achieved a peak height of like 12 more feet. And that's a lot of separation when you're only talking about 72 miles an hour, because the, the less speed, the it's less variance huge. you're going to see. And that's more stopping power. And this is where the club segmentation, like, you know, we always joke, but like 50 years ago, before ping had the I2 and like, you know, or the I and like perimeter weighting, it's like, would you like blades with steel shafts or would you like blades with slightly lighter steel shafts? <laughs> like, what do you want? That's, that's like, it. That's all you got. Those are your options, right? Or do you want just a half set of steel shafted blades? Like that was the only thing possible. So when you pair that up with the amount of like, are you a draw player? Are you, do you need a fade? Like you have all these different things. That is where that that continued separation plays such a huge benefit. And what I think people are going to see, and I'm not going to allude to anything outrageous here because I don't want to get sued or get snipered by one of these like secret agents from an OEM. But like I think what people are going to see this year is this there's even more of this built into golf clubs. Have it be drivers or fairy woods or hybrids or irons, or I'm just going to list every single golf club or putters because you never know what I'm going to talk about and I don't want to give anything away. But all of these golf clubs have the ability to create more options for fitting. So when you take it to the golf course, you play better. And I think one of the coolest things we saw, which no, it didn't necessarily catch on, but it's still an option that you can get, is Ping had the adjustable length putter. How cool was that? Like you could go into a retail Very store, cool. get the little wrench thing and click it in. And you had this adjustable length putter. So it's like, I, I need 35 and a half. I don't want to custom order it. I want to go out and play. I like this grip. It's on there straight. It's fine. Like everything about this putter works. I just need it shorter and I don't want to buy a new grip and, or I need it longer. I don't want to extend it. Well, Allen key, boom, boom, boom. It's USGA legal and you go out and play. And that's custom fitting. It doesn't, it's, is it the same as getting on a launch monitor and going through a Quintic fitting or using a GC quad? No, but that golfer is going to play better because that individual piece of equipment is better fit for them. That obviously depends on the, the type of equipment they're looking at or what type of improvement they're going to see. But anything that an OEM can build into a golf club, and especially what you just said, Gene, right? Like the segmentation is so important. We've seen it. We've got robot testing coming out and like removable weight. 
we even sat there and went, holy crap, look at the ball flight on this thing, right? Like we all looked, turned around and watched this thing fly off into the, the driving range and went, I didn't expect that. Yeah, <laughs> right? that's so, like, different. So imagine what it's like for like a golfer who hasn't been fit in 15 years or 10 years or even five years and is using like an older fairy wood or something and it probably wasn't fit in the first place, how much they can pick up, especially when you put all these factors together. And that to me is like, you know, the most important thing. Well, and I think you, you touched on something that's really interesting, RB, uh, in relation to irons when you were talking about and some of the comments like, well, this one went further than the other one. Pre-launch monitors, you know, I used to test all the time irons and it was like, yeah, this one went further. But what we failed to realize was, you know, better players, elite players understood this, but, uh, you know, a lot of us didn't. What descent angle meant. and 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 basically, it's like, yeah, an iron could be ten yards further than another, but you're never going to hold a green. It's just going to come in and and skip off. And so, distance isn't necessarily, you know, everything in irons. Yes, if you want a little bit more distance because you're you're struggling, that's one thing. But realize you are going to more than likely sacrifice holding greens, and you're going to be hitting a lot of bump and run shots in. And so, once again that's where fitting becomes critical is it's not all about distance. It is sometimes about proper gapping and making sure that when that ball lands, it sticks and it doesn't take off because the generally the longer something is with an iron, the more uh, parabolic the flight is, meaning that its ascent is equal to its descent. And that's going to result in a shot that runs out quite a bit. I had, uh, here's like an anecdote exactly to that point. I can remember again, retail fitting days there was this da- dad came in with his kid he had like a 500 dollars budget and there's a lot of options in 500 dollars when it comes to like buying a set of irons so let's just like get that out there but like one set was an r7 draw if anyone remembers those it was an r7 draw combo set set of very forgiving irons but extremely upright line angles that's how they made it draw bias and there was a weight in the heel as well and then there was a set of at the time nick kent 3dx irons now those irons were 150 dollars less than the tailor made and the dad and, and they were good irons, right? Like there's nothing wrong with either one of these sets of golf clubs. This is strictly about fitting. This isn't brand versus brand. And the line on the Nikens was flatter by quite a bit. And in the hitting bay, dad was just like, the tailor-maids go further. The tailor-maids go further. I said, listen, that's great. But he's, do you notice where the dispersion is? It's all to the left. He's, he's, a, he's like five and a half feet tall. These are meant for someone who's like ten, six feet tall, if not taller, right? For someone who's like, he's a growing kid, but this is not the way to go. I promise you right now, if you take these out of the golf course, you're going to hate them. But like brand versus brand. And Nick Kent had been around. Nick Kent was well-established. People knew who they were. And it's like, but they're less money. And I'm like, no, listen, I'm telling you right now, if you buy these, and if you buy these, I'm going to see you back here in a week. I promise you that. I absolutely promise you that. And so they hit the Nikan again and looking at dispersion is a little bit shorter, but it was definitely straighter and he was getting more spin with it. Came back, bought the Nikens, came back a week later. And I was like, oh crap. Because I worked with the, I worked with them for like an hour. So like, you know, you recognize the people that you work with. And the only thing he came, he goes, those irons were so good. You will not believe how well he's playing. And like half of me is like, oh crap, he's going to come back and buy the Taylor Mays and just yell at me. And he's like, no, that worked. Right. And he saw it. And I think that is just like, you, sometimes you got to get, you got to look at like what the actual result is with the specs versus just looking at something that like, Oh, I just hit it further. I hit it further. I hit it further. Cause to your point, Gene, this kid would never have hit a shot right in his life. Like he would, mm-hmm. he would have never seen the right side of a golf course. If his life depended on it, trying to hit one of these <clears throat> things, just because the line goal was so upright mm-hmm. and he's five and a half feet tall. 
<laughs> and they're, they're meant for a grown man. So like all these little things add up, up. and to, again, to your point, like if you just launch an iron, I used to see people do it all the time. It's like, Oh, I hit the, I hit the seven iron two 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 200 yards. Yeah. But it, yeah. it rolled to two, it rolled to 165, man. <laughs> like, what do you do it? What do you yeah. care? Like here, you go, you go take that iron and go play 17 at Sawgrass and lose two dozen golf balls and tell your buddies how well you did on that hole. Okay. You go have fun doing that. See what happens. Have that conversation every single day. It's like, yeah, I understand you hit the six iron 200 yards. However, landing angle on it at 33 degrees with uh, 4,000 RPMs of spin is not going to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just playing Gale Force Winds in Scotland, maybe that might work. But, you know, where you are in Arizona, I don't know. That's really the best idea. Uh, no, that's uh, we uh, at ten miles an hour. I'm going. Eh, it's too windy today. We'll have a we'll have a better day tomorrow. <laughs> like I don't I don't play in that stuff. I've gotten very snobby in the in the conditions that I choose to go play in. Eh, it's Dome too golf, hot. Eh, it's too cold. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, there's we get spoiled out here just like Gene does in in SoCal. There, it's just oh, there's yeah. too many nice days. We don't have to go play in crap. I have to run my heater for three hours to go hit golf balls in my garage. So there you go, guys. Oh. Just you just pat yourselves on the back. You're still going it, to get hit golf balls. You're getting paid to hit golf balls. Nobody feels sorry for you. you that's true. I, I, that's that's true. I will. I'll stop talking yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for episode 169 of Fully Equipped. Oh, hey, real quick. Sorry to yeah. interrupt, but uh, shout out to John, one of our listeners, who stopped by my tin cup range. Oh my and, goodness! Tell uh, the story, Gene. Yeah. Oh, it's great. All of a sudden, this guy pulls up, and I thought, uh-oh, what am I going to get yelled at for now? And this guy got out of the car and goes, are you Gene? And I said, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, was if, I was wondering if I was going to get asking. A, I was wondering if I was going to get served a subpoena or something. <laughs> um, he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, um, I'm a huge listener, fully equipped, and I kind of figured out from your description where your range was. And so That's I went scary. and found it, and I just wanted to get out and say hi. At least he was, was a like, good guy, but you, it's he like. He was a really good guy, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't a stalker or anything like that. He was cool, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. But, yeah, I, uh, it, was, uh, it was a little unusual. But it was, hey, it's always nice when uh, those who listen to us, you know, give a little love because it makes it feel like it's all worthwhile, so. For sure. Makes I got you feel like you're not screaming into an echo chamber. <laughs> yeah. The, the guy that reached out to one of my fitters was like, yeah, that Chris guy sounds like a real jerk. He's always picking on Gene. I think if I ever met him in person, I'd like to punch him in the face. I was like, wow, I must be really, really coming across as, as such a good guy on this podcast. And Chris is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, which is but the first time Chris told me that I was dying laughing because I was, I'm thinking this, this guy has no clue who he's talking about, but. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to needle Gene. So hey, we're just you do we're, that, all, you're an we're, asshole. All, we're all we're all just caricatures on this uh, on this podcast. That we are. That we, we are, Uncle even, Gene. We, we don't we don't even interact off air. We're we're all divas. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, we should screenshot some of our group chat. Let's just not, put that like, up on social. I like I'll 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 stay employed covering gear for a living. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for episode 169 of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social media. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter, at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. And as I mentioned, check out the social pages for our 
gear Santa giveaway. We're going to be giving away. I don't know the exact number of clubs. Coach isn't on here. Blame it on coach. But it's somewhere between 10 to 15 new golf clubs. Everything from putters to wedges, drivers, fairways. All the good stuff. Go check it out. We will pick some winners on Christmas Eve. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next week.